Let me ask you this. So have you ever had that experience? And we want to be real with this, that you've been reading the Bible and you stop and you say, what I just read doesn't make any sense. I, I, I just don't understand it. Have you ever had that place where you think the Bible is just too complicated for you to really figure out and comprehend? Or sometimes in the Old Testament, man, that stuff's really hard. And as we're looking at where we want to preach from, there's certain passages, I'm not preaching that one. <laughs> you know, that's a, hard, that's a hard story. We all get there sometimes when we're reading the scriptures and, and it can feel hard. Sometimes it can feel dry. Sometimes it can feel like I, I don't understand. I don't see what the point is. And now let's be real. The Bible even itself says that parts of the Bible are hard to understand. Some things are complicated, and they do get confusing, but lots of it is actually super clear, and there's no confusion, but it's just hard to accept, sometimes hard to believe, and sometimes hard to obey. But what can help us in order to make the Bible come alive is when we understand the real purpose of the Bible, the thread that runs through all of it, connecting it all together. So what I want to do in this sermon today is to set up the series over the next year, because we're going to be at this for a while, in which we're going to preach through, like I said, from each book of the Bible, one book at a time, taking one passage and preaching through it. We're not going to survey. Sometimes we survey the books. We're not going to do that. We're just going to take one really important passage and preach on it. And it's my hope and it's my prayer that you'll see that all of the Bible is pointing us to Jesus and that he's the thread that connects it all. And that you'll see the Word of God like Hebrews chapter 4, which says the Word of God is living, and it's active, and it's sharper than two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and of the spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That it's live and active, and it's going to point us to one who is live, alive and still in the world today and living in us as well. All right, so here we go. Here's what we're going to do. And this first introductory sermon is to help us see how it all points to Jesus. So what's the purpose of the Bible? To point us to Jesus. All Scripture points us to Jesus. Listen to Mark chapter 4, and there's going to be a lot of Scripture passages we're going to look at today. Some of them are going to pop up on, on the screen behind me. This is Mark chapter 4, verses 16 through 21, and this is Jesus. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, Old Testament prophet. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So he comes in there and he reads this Old Testament prophecy that people are looking forward to the one who's going to come and fulfill that prophecy. And he rolls up the scroll and can you just see the drama? And he hands it back and he says, That's me. That's all about me. Everything that you have been reading back here, everything, all the oral tradition that you have passed down for generation and generation, all of that is pointing to me. And to make it even more clear, in Luke 24, 44, this is what Jesus said. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses 
and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. He's saying all of it, the law, the prophets, even the Psalms are all written to be pointing towards me and I am fulfilling those. And everything that's happened to me, happening to me is in fulfillment to those and I'm the one that they were centered on. And then even John and John chapter 20 in the New Testament gives us this picture, looking back after he has written the entire account of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus has taught, this is what he says. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written, and it tells us really clear what the purpose of it all is. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's really beautiful how it narrows down the whole thing. The whole book is so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, that we might believe that he is the Son of God, that we might believe that, that we might have life in his name. And we're going to look at not just life uh, that is a benefit to us now, but eternal life. So all of Scripture, and those are just a few passages. Obviously, we could look at so many, many passages that talk about this points to Jesus and Jesus himself saying, these things are about me. But the question that I want to take us to next is this question is, why does it all point to Jesus? Why is that a big deal? Why is it important that every time we go into the Word that we should be thinking about, how does this point me to Jesus? Why is that important? Because of all that, what it means to know Jesus is why that's important. So why does it all point to Jesus? First thing is because when we know Jesus, the Bible tells us, then we know God. Do you want to know God? Do you want to have an intimate understanding of who the God of the universe is? The only way you'll do that is through Jesus. This is what Jesus says in John 14, 9. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Philip said, hey, show us the Father, and then we'll just believe, and it'll all be good. And Jesus says, listen, Philip, if you've seen me, that's how you'll know the Father, because I and the Father are one. And if you know me, you're going to know the Father. Now, again, I'm, I'm surveying right here, so I can't give you every passage that talks about that. But there are numerous passages, especially in the book of John, where Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So why does it all point to Jesus? Because that's how the Father is known. That's how we know God is when we know Jesus. So when we know Jesus, we know the Father. Why else? There's so many reasons about why does it all point to Jesus. If we can agree that it all points to Jesus, then the question becomes why? Here's the next piece. When we know Jesus, we know the way to be saved. Not only do I know the Father, the God of the universe, I know the way to be saved. Sometimes what happens, you guys, as Christians and as preachers, people will, in our culture today, this is one of the big things that, that can happen. People will say, that sounds kind of arrogant, that you can know the way to be saved. Have you ever run into that? Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've felt that. Maybe you've had a conversation with somebody like that. But here's the part that we miss sometimes. If there is a way to be saved eternally, if there is a way for eternal life, if there is a way to be forgiven of sins and be right with God and be able to spend all of eternity with him, I think it would be a horrible thing if I knew that and didn't tell anybody. 
I think it would be a horrible thing if I know that there is a way. And I say, but I'm not telling you because I'm just going to go that way myself and get the benefit of it and good luck to you. No, the beauty of it is, if there is a way, and why does it all point to Jesus? Because there is a way of salvation, and I know the way. Not arrogantly saying, I know the way. It's like, I know the way. I want you to know the way. Picture yourself in a burning building, and if you know the safe way out, and you look at the rest of the people and you say, well, good luck to you, find your way. There's nothing loving about that. There's nothing kind and good about that. Because we believe, and because I believe that Acts 4.12 is true, where it says, and there is, no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which he must be saved. If that is true, then it is crucial that I share that. It, 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 it's the most loving and ethical and moral thing I can do is to share that. So why does all this point to Jesus The second piece is because it points us to the way of salvation, and there's no other name. And and, and we're living in a world of, how many people are in the world today? I don't even know. Seven billion? Nine billion? What's the number? Seven? Seven-ish? Seven and a (laughs) half-ish? Lots. (laughs) And everybody's wandering around looking for a way. And we know it. And the way is Jesus, because there is no other way. And it's a beautiful thing that the Bible points us to Jesus, because we can know the way to be saved. We can know the Father, we can know the way of the salvation. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We know the way of salvation, we can be justified by, by faith, peace with God, All this comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible points us to Jesus so that I can know the way of salvation. I can know the way to be justified. I know the way to have peace with God. Now, a lot of you guys know I've worked in a lot of different environments in the last number of years, and some of those were in places like prison and guys in recovery. And I'm telling you, when you see people that finally find peace with God after years and years of turmoil... It's a beautiful thing where they go, wow, I can just rest now in God, even after all the horrible things I've done. Well, guess what? You and I have done plenty of things ourselves, right? And we can rest and have peace with God. I don't know about you, but I've wrestled with God throughout my life. I, uh, uh, I've never had to go to prison or had an addiction like that. But I grew up in church, and I knew all the things that I was supposed to do, and sometimes I wrestled with doing the things that I was supposed to do, right? I wrestled with obedience and failed and struggled. And to know that I could have peace with God, and I don't have to keep going back there and reliving that and this and whatever it is, I can have peace with God. You can have peace with God. All through Jesus, and this book points us to him. Why does it point us to Jesus? Because when we know Jesus, we are finally freed. Listen to Galatians 5.1, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He's saying Christ has come to set us free, to set us free from all the burdens that keep hindering us and all the things that keep dragging us down. He wants to set us free. 
Matthew 11.30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we know Jesus, we know the way to freedom. We know the way to a light burden. We don't have to live back with all the guilt and shame of things that we have done or things that have happened to us and all the struggles that life brings. I can come to Jesus and be free. I can be free. I had a man say to me um, one time after confessing something that he had done that was pretty horrendous, and he said, can God forgive me for that? He was looking for freedom. Freedom from what? The guilt and the shame of all that he had been carrying with him. And it was just such a great thing for me to say, well, because I know that all of God's word points to Jesus, and because I know this passage from Galatians 5.1, yeah, man, you can be free. You can be freed from it. And he has an easier yoke, a yoke of grace and mercy. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. When we know Jesus, we are set free. When we know Jesus, we're filled with the Spirit. Why does all this point us to Jesus? Because when I know Jesus, I can be filled with his Spirit. Listen to John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he's, he's prophesying and letting them know that the Holy Spirit is coming after he leaves. And Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. When we know Jesus, we can be filled with his Spirit, and his Spirit is going to show us the truth. Now, we're all wired different, but some of you are wired more in that uh, uh, kind of the vein where you're always thinking and processing and trying to understand things, and the idea of seeking truth really appeals to you. Like, I want to know the truth, and I'm going to explore all the different things in the world so that I can figure out what is true And Jesus tells us that the Spirit will guide us into truth. If you want to know truth, you have to come to Jesus, and his Spirit will help you understand what is true. The Spirit won't speak of his own authority. He will only speak what the Father and the Son tell him to speak. But why is it so crucial that the Bible points us to Jesus and that it's all about knowing Jesus? Because when I know Jesus, why does it matter? I can be filled with his Spirit. It is a, a mind-boggling and hard-to-comprehend thought that the Spirit of Jesus is living in me. Now, if you've been in the church for a long time, you've heard that, you know that, you believe that, but to really try to process that can be really mind-boggling. You try to explain that to a kid, right? Jesus is going to live in me? I'm not as big as Jesus, Dad. I've, my kids were at this size before, you know? How is Jesus going to live in me? He was like a grown man, you know? And it is hard for us to understand this, but the Spirit of Jesus, that's why, and maybe you, you were like me where you used to say, man, I wish I had lived at, during the time of the disciples so I could have walked and seen everything that Jesus did. But actually, before Christ ascended up into heaven, the, the, the disciples didn't have what we have. That's the Spirit of Jesus living in us. Not just walking around seeing it at work, actually having it dwell in us. You see, why is it important that this is all pointing us to Jesus? And why is it important that we know Jesus? Because through knowing Jesus is when I get his spirit to live in me. Hard concept to understand, beautiful concept to experience. When the spirit of the living God is in you, and guiding and directing you, convicting you, challenging you, giving you hope and strength. I've had a lot of funerals in the last few weeks. And then I've had some away from my 
connection to Rock Hill. It's been hard. The Spirit gives you strength. The Spirit gives you peace. The Spirit gives you encouragement. The Spirit gives you hope. My friend who passed away just two weeks ago, the funeral was yesterday. I wasn't able to be there. I was able to watch it online. 55 years old. I see his two, sorry, trying not to get emotional here, but his two young sons in their 20s standing up there. I used to pastor their church, and I knew them as teenagers, and they're standing up there trying to proclaim the gospel um, at their dad's funeral. It's beautiful. That's a spirit at work in their lives. The spirit was giving them hope and peace. They're a close, tight knit family. It's going to be a long, hard journey for those guys. But they know where their dad is, and the spirit is what's going to give them comfort and strength. We need to be praying for our own Julie Selke, who's all of a sudden, out of nowhere, finds herself alone. Ralph died skiing just, what are we, a couple weeks ago now. We have to pray that the Spirit will give her comfort and strength, and that's where she's relying on, right? And the Harju family as well. All of that, they're walking in the way that they're walking, not because they're just such solid and strong people that could grit their teeth and get it done. The Spirit is at work in their lives. And the Spirit will be at work in our lives as we care for them and, and minister to them. You see, why this all points to Jesus and why it's important that we know Jesus is because then we are filled with his Spirit and transformed by his Spirit. And then, when we know Jesus and we are filled by his Spirit, now his Word can become alive and train us and teach us. It's through the Spirit and His Word that we're now equipped to do the works that Jesus wants us to do. A famous passage about the Scriptures is 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, but you have to combine it with the work of the Spirit. All Scripture is breathed out by God. This whole thing has been breathed out by God, and it's profitable to teach us and reproof us, correct us, train us in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. So that you and I, men and women, can be equipped for all the things that God has for us through his word. But I can't understand his word without the help of his spirit. So that's why I put this here, that to know Jesus, I'm filled with his spirit. And now all of a sudden, his word can now train and correct me. The word that I like the most in that passage for me personally is correction. That it can correct my thinking, because sometimes my thinking can, can think differently than the Bible. And then when I think something and the Bible thinks something, I, my, through the power of the Spirit, I try to let it correct my thinking so that I have proper and right thinking. Some of you know I used to teach at a college, at a Christian college, and I, I had this assignment that I would have them do that they would journal on the homework that they had. And, and uh, it was a, a, a Bible class, and, and it was about discipleship. And I'll never forget that one guy wrote in his journal, he goes, I think the Bible teaches this, but I just disagree. And I remember writing back, well, you're wrong. <laughs> the point I was trying to make to him is, when you and the Bible disagree, according to this passage, I want to have the Holy Spirit correct me, not me correct the Scripture, not me correct God's Word. Now, we did it in fun, and we had a conversation after that, but you see my point? Through the power of the Spirit, this is all pointing us to Jesus. When I know Jesus, now I can go to this, and through His Spirit, when it's teaching me stuff, I can let it correct me. I can let it train me. How, how do I know some of the things that I do in my life that are the right things to do? The, the scriptures have trained me in righteousness. Not that I'm a good guy, 
because I'm not. I'm a sinful guy, but the scriptures have trained in righteousness, so sometimes I do the right things through the power and the work of the Spirit. And then the next two, probably the greatest of all, of why it's important that we know Jesus and why this points us to Jesus, is that when we know Jesus, we're granted eternal life with him. You see, knowing Jesus gives us the way to eternal life. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting closer to that. (laughs) Um, And every day we're getting closer to that. And you will find yourself at a certain stage in life, or you'll find yourself when things happen to people around you that you care about, that it makes you think more about that. Makes you think more about, is there something after all of this? And the great news is that Jesus declares it clearly. This is what he tells us in John chapter 3, a passage that might be very familiar to many of you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I don't have to perish. I can have eternal life. And it tells us that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that we might be saved. The whole point of why he came into the world, the whole point of all of this is so that we might be saved and we might not seek condemnation, that we can be saved through knowing Jesus and putting our faith in Jesus. Eternal life matters. My mom passed away two years ago. I had a close relationship to my grandparents who have passed away. I'm telling you, man, this knowledge that they're at a place that I will see them again and they have eternal life, this is, this is what keeps you going. This is what drives you on sometimes. I just want to invite you to that and to rejoice in that. John, or excuse me, Romans chapter 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. In who? Jesus our Lord. John 6, 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have what? Eternal life. And I'll raise them up on the last day. This is all pointing us to Jesus. Why does it matter that it points us to Jesus? Because through Jesus, we're granted eternal life. That's a beautiful gift, a beautiful picture. But the last and the greatest of all is that when we know Jesus, God is glorified. This is complicated, and this is a whole sermon in and of itself. I'm going to try to scale it down to just about two minutes. But for some reason, the way that God designed it is that he is most glorified when Jesus is the one who's exalted. The Father is glorified when the Son is exalted, when the Son is acknowledged, when Jesus is the one we put our faith in, when Jesus is the one that we focus on, when Jesus is the one that we're grateful to, the Father is glorified through that. Just one passage would be Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 18. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, and they all were created for him. Did you know you were created for Jesus? Do you know that beautiful sunset you might see in the morning? As much as we enjoy it, we're supposed to be going, well, that was created by Jesus and for Jesus, and I'm supposed to thank Jesus for it. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We sit here today securely held together in our DNA and our biology by Jesus. If for, some, for one moment Jesus stopped holding us together, we would just fly off into oblivion. He holds it all together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And everything, he might be the one that is supreme, that he might be the one that is the focal point, that he might be the one that we worship and we're grateful for and we praise and we pray to and we focus on him. See, it was God's intention that Jesus would have the supremacy. And so you'll, you'll notice sometimes, and I'm going to encourage you to, to watch even your own talk and language. Because sometimes we talk and we focus and, and our language is about God. And when we talk about God, that can mean lots and lots of things to lots and lots of people. But when I focus on Jesus, that's very, very specific. And that's the one that God wanted us to focus on. So when I was growing up, my dad would be really conscientious about helping me to think through and the way I was speaking about Jesus being the focal point. And obviously, God matters, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, but God the Father wants us to focus on the Son and to bring glory and praise to the Father for what he has done for us through the Son. This is what 1 Thessalonians 1.12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, so that the name of the Lord Jesus might be glorified in you and me, and that, you, that we would be glorified in him according to the grace of God, and that that would be our focus, and that God is glorified when we're glorifying Jesus. And when Jesus is transforming us and we're giving Jesus the credit, God is glorified. When we're thankful to Jesus for this eternal life and this salvation, God is glorified. This is what John 17.10 said, all, are my, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. When you and I are saved and transformed by Jesus, we belong to Jesus and God the Father, and Jesus is glorified in us in the transformation that happens in us. And again, these are full sermons on just each of these points. But I hope that you can see the point I'm trying to make this morning is that as the Son comes and we are saved by Him and changed by Him, He's glorified. Because He can go, look what I can do with a guy like Dean. Look what I can do with a guy like you put your name in it. Or a lady like you put your name in it. And then we're His. And He transforms us. And He is glorified because He's the one doing all the work. So this is why this journey that we're going through over the next year is so crucial. We want this whole book to come alive to you. We want you to see Jesus everywhere so that none of it becomes boring or confusing or seems to be unimportant. And so I'm just going to close with some just practical ideas as we're getting into this about what you can do to get yourself into this book and, and, and to come at it from the angle of this is going to point me to Jesus, and that matters for all the reasons I just talked about. First, we're going to invite you each week as we go through that, preach from that book, to read through that book. 
So I'm going to invite you, if you can do this, to read through the book of Genesis before next Sunday. And I'm going to invite you to figure out how to do that. I'm not going to put together a reading plan or anything. You figure out. Read through the book of Genesis before next Sunday. That's what we're going to hope people will do. We'll read through the entire books before we preach on them. Some will be really small. It'll be no problem. When we get to the book of Jude, you're going to love it, right? No problem to read through the book of Jude. Genesis, it might take you a little bit more of a challenge. Another thing I'm going to do, if that seems like too much, too much um, that you've not done this before and that seems like a lot, I'm going to put together a small reading plan in Genesis, just highlighting some passages. And so if you want um, to read through those passages, um, we're going to put that together. And I'm going to put a reading plan together in the Chester Park Recap. In our Facebook page and also on the Chester Park Recap, we're going to send you a video link where you can watch a summary of the book through the Bible Project. The Bible Project has done an excellent and creative job of, in seven to ten minutes, doing some great graphics and some great overview of the book, uh, each book of the Bible. We're going to post that out there on our Facebook page, and we're going to post that out in the email. Um, and so we invite you to do that each week. Watch that. If you already got a reading plan, just keep at it. I don't want you to, to shy away from that. Just keep going. If all of this sounds like too much, remember we've talked about reading from one heading to the next, taking a book of the Bible. I just want you to be in it, even if you're not in the series that we're doing. And you take the book and you read from one heading to the next, and you just meditate on it and think on it. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Maybe it works better for you to say, I got 10 minutes. I'm going to take Genesis, and I'm going to read 10 minutes of Genesis today and see how far you get. And read 10 minutes tomorrow. Maybe you got one minute. That's a victory, all right? Being in God's Word. And we just want to throw out all of these options for you. You can listen to the sermon if you miss a sermon. We actually record our sermons, and they're all available through audio. Right now, you have to kind of go through our Facebook page to get to them. We're working on that. I, I wanted to just also take this moment to say that's why the Connect card can become really important to us, because it all of this, you can get this information if we have an email, all right? So we send out a recap every Sunday where I send out a few notes, a recap of the sermon. I send the, the link that you can listen to it. We put a couple announcements on it, and we do that after each message. If you want to join us on the Facebook page, we have a Chester Park Facebook page that's just separate from, from uh, the Rock Hill separate, uh, Facebook page. And on that, we also have the audio of the message today. But again, some of those things, if you fill out a Connect card, we can get those information to you. All right, final thoughts before we wrap up. Here's the thing, you guys. My own understanding will often fail me. My own thoughts will often lead me astray. My feelings can confuse me. My wisdom or the wisdom of others can be faulty. My experiences can be misunderstood. My knowledge can be limited and misinformed, but the Word of God pointing me to Jesus, that needs to be my firm foundation that I never waver from. I invite you to that. So the journey begins. So join us for this journey. I invite you to invite someone to come along with you. And maybe you want to read through these books with someone else. Invite somebody to come to be a part of the sermon series. But next week, we're going to go to Genesis, and we're going to see how it points us to who? Jesus. Because <laughs> it's all pointing us to Jesus.